Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. Good morning, City Collective, and thanks for joining us for church this morning. Of course, we're excited about Hubs launching, and I hope that you're enjoying wherever you find yourself this morning. Uh, Shout out to all of our facilitators and hosts. We appreciate you. Thanks for all the hard work you put into making this possible. And if you're joining us online, wherever you're watching from, I hope that you feel welcome. Now, this is a great next step for us as a church and one that I'm excited about continuing throughout the summer. And as well, I'm excited about the series that got started last week. It was a killer beginning as Pastor Neil Josephson, he he challenged us to commit ourselves, to dive into what the book of Acts really has to say. Because if we're honest, the book of Acts can can present as a collection of of hyperboles, uh, fire from heaven, dramatic exorcisms, adventure on the high seas, earthquakes, and and arrests, and in some ways this does seem appropriate because it's a story of Jesus' first followers. A story of how they began to share the story of Jesus' life and resurrection with the Holy Spirit consistently appearing to add that dramatic flair. But if we take a closer look, we, we would find that there are a bunch of stories here showcasing the haphazard, serendipitous, and, and mundane ways in which the first Christians went about trying to be faithful. The ways in which they encountered God. The ways in which they discovered, as N.T. Wright says, that the God of the Hebrew Scriptures was doing a new thing in the whole world. And seeing this, I think we can affirm that while the beginning of the church, the genesis of the church, was marked by spectacular action, it was also expressed in ordinary human experience. That the Holy Spirit was at work in spectacular events and day-to-day monotony. And we can consider how the same might be true for us. See, Acts is this really interesting book in the New Testament because it serves in a lot of ways as a bridge between the Gospels, which tell us about Jesus, and the letters of Paul, which tend to dominate the balance of the New Testament writings. And the author, Luke, he he has this sequel mentality to the book of Acts, this continuation of the story of Jesus. And, And what happens is that Jesus, he ascends into heaven, the disciples are left on their own, and they are empowered, and they are challenged to figure out how to build their faith and their community in a way that is going to continue the story of Jesus. And so, so it's a really fascinating read. And we have eight weeks this summer to work our way through it. We were started off right last week with a challenge from, from Pastor Neil to, to do more than simply just read it, but to, to listen on our, our day-to-day times and, and to keep a Holy Spirit journal is what he was talking about, to, to be quiet, to ask God to speak and that we're listening. And then to write down the different ways in which we've been aware of God leading us throughout the day. So I would encourage you, Take that challenge, own it for yourself, and let's lean into it together. At the hubs, your facilitators are going to talk a little bit more about it as well. So the stories we find in this book show us that the genesis of the church, though spectacular in many ways, was founded on ordinary human experience, like I talked about. They show us that God's divine action can and it will meet us, regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. At the heart of the book of Acts, It is about people trying to make sense of life as faith interacts with it on a day-to-day basis. 
this is a new way that they're being invited into. So we get a chance to see where that leads us and we're going to continue this morning. We're going to be reading out of Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through 11. At your hubs, the facilitator will now lead you in the scripture reading. And here online this week, we have Megan and Victoria who are going to be leading us in Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through 11. Thank you to all the voices who led our readings this morning, whether at the hubs or online. We appreciate you. Uh, this is such a beautiful part of our online gatherings. Now, the book of Acts is related to the Gospel of Luke. Like I mentioned, Acts is in many ways the sequel. And if you have ever watched the sequel, they don't always go the way that we can hope. Uh, there are high hopes, but not the exact same results always. But Acts does break that mold. Acts is the sequel we need. It is the sequel that invites us to jump in. But if we're honest, when it comes to sequels, we've got a certain set of expectations. We, we expect them to go a certain way. And we could almost script out the series of events that encompass most sequels. And despite their predictability, they always seem to play out exactly the same way. So, so my question for you this morning is do you have something along these lines of predictability? Do you have something that you consistently do one way just because that is the way that you have always done it? So whether it's a sequel and that we just always do sequels this way, or maybe uh, you have a sports team that they all have this initiation of eating a weird dish to let people come in, or you've got a tradition within the family that nobody knows where it started or how it began, but this is what we do. We started making waffles at home on Saturdays. I love waffles. I think they're great. We don't really have any rhyme or reason other than it is a tradition that we started. Nothing is wrong with it, but it's just something now that we do. And if maybe it's a functional thing. It's the fact that we know we go to the left side of a car to get in to the driver's seat in North America, and it's a different way in the UK. Maybe it's the fact that you didn't grow up praying before a meal or you always prayed before a meal, traditions and ways that you do things. And, and, and in some ways, things, they are, whether they're good or not, they often become normalized without our conscious consent. And they impact the way we talk, the way that we think, the way that we interact. And, and if we're honest, we've all got many of these things. Because this is how traditions start if we're, if we're being clear. You, you do one thing one time, and it goes fairly well. And before you know it, this is the way you've always done it because critical inquiry on anything is more of an undertaking than we're often likely to commit. It's like that moment where you find out that your grandma's world-famous secret recipe was really just the cookie recipe on the back of the Hershey bag, and you never didn't want to believe it, but that is just the way that it came about, or that exactly precise tradition that you have in your family that you must think of, you must have thought would have come through a lot of thought and careful practice and careful planning, but it was really the fact that dad did, thing, did things at the last minute, was only able to get this many things from the store, so that's just the way that you've done it all along. <laughs> These habits, traditions, and ways in which we interact with the world and, with we, and the way we interact with each other, which aren't really intentional, but they have deep impact upon the way we live, on our individuality, our personality, our practice of life, our expectations, and our beliefs around who we are. So like I said, even when these traditions are good, they can become more formational 
to the manner in which we see ourselves and live our lives than we would want if we were truly aware. And today's passage is about a man who has grown accustomed to a certain way of life. He, he was lame. And when he sees Peter and John that day, I'm sure he thought he knew exactly what was going to take place. It was a day like all the rest as far as he was concerned. And you can't blame him. There was a very clear detriment that he was dealing with. But it could have just been another day, but it wasn't. And for Peter and John, it was the same situation. They were just going about their normal routine. They were going to the temple. Though it, it is worth noting that they weren't going to the temple at the hour of sacrifice. They were going at the hour of prayer that followed the sacrifice. Because they realized that the sacrificial system was fulfilled in the perfect sacrifice that Jesus offered on the cross. They have been empowered by the Holy Spirit in the upper room. And now they as a community of Jesus followers were doing life together. But this is part of their routine. This, this even speaks to why Peter didn't have gold to give because they've been sharing all their possessions. This is the routine in which they go about the day. And the monotony of the moment could have blinded everyone from interacting different, differently. But for Peter in this moment, he didn't miss the possibility of what the new power was going to do in and through his life. Even if we look at the form of the story, it reflects the manner in which miracles were presented in the Gospels. The, the author does this brilliantly, and he begins to reflect that the people began to look more and more like Jesus. The first thing you always see is a situation described. Then the second is a word of command. A third is a restorative action. Then there's a cure that takes place, and then the bystanders react. That's what we see take place in Acts chapter 3, and that is the exact same rhythm that we see within the Gospel of Luke when... A miracle takes place because the author is brilliantly trying to show us that the people who were empowered by the Holy Spirit began to live little differently, to live like Jesus, to, to live and sound and look like him, and they're responding in a way that Jesus would because this is what we often get mixed up when it comes to the idea of the Holy Spirit. We, we characterize it as a means for a dramatic supernatural experience. And yes, there are many in Acts, but the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to lead us to Jesus and empower us to live like him. And that's what we see taking place. Last week, we talked about this power that had fallen upon the disciples, the Holy Spirit. And this is something I really do want us to reflect upon today. Because the word power has so many different meanings for all of us. So what comes to mind when you think of power? Power for you, power from God, power in your world. What, what comes to the forefront? And we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but I want you to be considering that and reflecting upon that this morning. Because the people began to look and reflect the life and way of Jesus. And the power and genius of Jesus' earthly ministry is that he simultaneously spoke to both individual and personal brokenness, as well as systemic and social brokenness. And this is what Peter ends up doing with this lame man. This lame man who would be carried to the gates of the temple as worshipers would come and go. And he had a rhythm to things. He would ask them if they could spare a quarter or two. And he'd probably gotten really good at asking and begging for money. And it's all that he had really ever done. It was the way that he did things, and he didn't really question it. 
he thought that money was his greatest need in life and he thought that he would be on that map for the rest of his life. He thought that things would be always be that way. And let's, let's give credit where credit is due. He's a wise businessman. He's situated at the beautiful gate outside the temple and he's put himself in a place to have the best chance from receiving alms from those who are entering. Uh, the Jewish historian Josephus, he describes this gate on the Temple Mount in that it's made of fine Corinthian brass. It's 75 feet high with huge double doors, so beautiful that it greatly excelled those that were only covered with silver and with gold. This was the spot to be. And there's been a lot of debate over where specifically this gate was, but that's not really important, whereas the lame man's location is important. The fact that he begs outside of the Temple Gate from those going inside is of significance. Because he's not there as part of this community, but he's there as someone seeking charity from that community. The, the man had good reason to believe that begging at the beautiful gate could, could support him. And there was, and, and honestly is, a strong tradition of almsgiving in Judaism and doing it is an act of, of righteousness. This is a, someone who is making the best of the situation. But if we, if we reflect upon this, he is so close to being in. And, and he's making the most of it, but the poor guy is clearly under the impression that he doesn't belong inside. And it's clear that the way that he feels accepted is born of a misunderstanding of self. And it's keeping him away from where he's supposed to be. The lame man had lowered his expectation of life according to his disappointment. He thought things would always be like they are now and he just worked with it. And don't get me wrong, his disappointment isn't invalid, but it has become integral. Has, has that ever happened to you? Where your disappointment became the foundation for your decision making? I know I have, and the, the thing that I notice out of that is that when I have an expectation based upon my disappointment, that becomes the foundation by which others look at me as well. But here's the thing, when we create space and we learn to recognize and listen, the Holy Spirit works in a way that we normally wouldn't. Because Peter and John, they could have accepted the expectation that the alms, that, that, sorry, that the beggar was laying on them. They, they could have avoided him because of his perceived lack of faith, but yet they move by the power of the Holy Spirit because it's not dependent on a set of perfect circumstances to actually be used. The Holy Spirit, power by the Holy Spirit, comes in the name of Jesus and power gives authority to another to, instead of simply exerting itself. Our understanding of power is so different. And the power it came through the Holy Spirit was not dependent on the perfect set of circumstances and it wasn't dependent on diagnosing a perfect fit for the situation. If we look throughout the life of Jesus, his imagination of power is very different from that of his friends. His disciples are often looking for power, which for them means uh, control and, and self-determination and the ability to overcome their enemies. And, and they want boundaries and they, they want borders and they want to know who's in and who's out. It sounds a lot like us. It's how we kind of look at power. But Jesus... He has something very different in mind. And if we follow the story from the very beginning, when the Holy Spirit falls upon them, 
when the power of God comes upon their lives, it completely undoes the curse of Babel that we see at the beginning of the Bible as it begins to unite people even in their differences. It is almost precisely the opposite of the kingdom that the disciples thought they were asking for. And this is really important because power in Jesus' imagination is not strength, It's not might, it's not walls, but it is the ability to welcome and invite, to extend grace and peace to unexpected people in unexpected moments. Power is not when you get your way. Power is when you change your way to reflect Jesus. And this is what we see taking place. Because after the lame man is healed, It doesn't just change his ability, but it begins to change his location because he enters the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God because the healing moves the man from the outside of the temple to the inside of it, from someone not able to participate in the community to actually being able to be part of it. That the miracle was more than simply his legs, but his life. And in other words, hidden in the details of this healing story is a powerful message. That to be included in the worshiping community is to experience a foreign form of healing. To send prayers and thoughts is great and all, but, but the inclusion of outsiders stands in continuity with the ministries of Jesus and of the apostles. For, for such a call to have true impact today, we need to identify those who sit near our gates on the edges of the church, of society, who who will find healing when we begin to actually attribute them the full worth and personhood that Jesus does. Note that Peter didn't require the lame man to believe in Christ, to offer him healing. But it was Peter's belief in Christ that affected the healing. The the passage, it, it doesn't just call individuals, it calls congregations, it calls people who desire to follow Jesus to reach out to the stranger and to the other, not by our own strength, but by this new power that's given to us. Because they receive it, they declare it, and now they begin to live through it, what we see in Acts chapter 3. And Peter, he gets down and he reaches out, he grabs him by the right hand and he declares him healed in the name of Jesus. But it wasn't just words, it was actions. And he grabs him by the same hand that he would have been begging with and he lifts him up and the man has strength come into his bones, into his joints, and even just the author being Luke, there's there's specificity to, to what is actually taking place. And he begins to leap and praise and enter into the worshiping space into community and there's a restoration of his body of his soul of his mind because that's what the power of the holy spirit does it doesn't just heal one area it begins to heal and shape all that's around it because jesus didn't simply come to do nice things for nice people and the business of the church in this world isn't to simply make the present condition more bearable the task of us as followers of jesus is to release here on earth the redemptive work of god in jesus And this is what Peter is doing. He's declaring that there is new things in front of you. I'm not going to just simply do things the way that I've always done it. I'm going to declare that the Holy Spirit has placed something new inside of me and inside of you. And we can move forward into the possibility of tomorrow. And this is what we need to recognize for ourselves. So often, we have great experiences in the past that we simply try to replicate. He had good days where he earned and so he knew what way to go about it. But he began to live out of his disappointment instead of seeing that the possibility of tomorrow. And he had every reason to. But we have this happen over and over again in the New Testament. That faith is forward facing. 
And as we read Acts, we need to remember this, that faith is forward-facing, and you see sometimes we fall into this trap of believing that resurrection is essentially the same as resuscitation. And what Jesus does on Easter Sunday is he turns back the clock and he undoes what was done, but that really wasn't the point. Because resurrection isn't about what was, it's about what could be. And so when Jesus is resurrected, the disciples' first thought is, okay, this is great. We can go back where we were. We can go back to being with Jesus and we can go back to Jerusalem and hopefully this kingdom that keeps getting talked about is something that we're going to see show up. And it just doesn't work like that. Because if we're going to be resurrected and, and if you're going to be alive in the world, then you're going to need to keep moving forward. See, what's compelling about Acts is that it is a demonstration of how the resurrection of Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit make the followers of this new way truly alive in the world. It is as if for the first time the right things are brought into focus and the possibilities for tomorrow are endless. It is faithfully facing new challenges. And when Peter does so, He's able to grab hold of this man who is living out of his disappointment and point him to the possibility of a resurrected tomorrow. It is about the power of resurrection being more than a moment that was and moving forward into uncharted waters fearlessly. And maybe that isn't even the, the right word, to be honest. The, the right word is probably faithfully because the future, it, it's scary. But God is with us and God gets it. And as long as we realize we just can't stop moving forward, it just might not look like it always has, then we're going to discover that there is resurrection around every corner. Because sometimes all we need to do, all we think we need to do is go backwards and replicate it and do that over and over again. And then it will be just as good as it was. And you can't even blame the disciples. They literally got to spend time walking with Jesus. No wonder they wanted to go back. But the truth is we can't go back. Sometimes we want to go back to an old job that we loved, to an old relationship where we had good moments, uh, back to when there was less responsibility or different responsibilities or to a moment where we felt God in a powerful way and we just really haven't felt that way in a long, long time. But hear me, there is space to grieve the past and there's time to remember and celebrate what was. There's time to learn and, and a time to digest all that has happened through us and, and to us, but when we want to really experience the story of resurrection in our, in our lives, there inevitably comes a time when we have to ask ourselves why we're staring into the sky looking for what was instead of looking forward to seeing what is and trusting that there is still something beautiful ahead of us. Jesus is not back there somewhere. Jesus is ahead of you calling you forward into something new, inviting us as the church to be transformed in our hearts and our minds. We need to be a people who are aware of what the Spirit is calling us forward into. See how it's calling us to, to be advocates of change and restoration and renewal in our world that God is doing new things all around us and inviting us to take part. The, the invitation to you this morning is to face forward, to believe for newness, 
to grab hold of that power which is given to you the moment you commit your life to Jesus and begin to look around with new eyes at all that can take place. The possibility of tomorrow is greater than simply looking back at what was great yesterday. So we ask ourselves, how do I use the power of the Holy Spirit in our life? Well, you have powerful gifts that extend past even our imagination, but it also empowers us to live in the day-to-day like Jesus would, to bridge the gaps of separation, to bring hope into broken situations, to declare the good news of a new kingdom, a new way of forgiveness, of repentance, and of redemption. So can we look this week? for the opportunity to lift someone up? Can we ask this week for the Holy Spirit to reveal what gifts are given to us? And and maybe most importantly, can we learn to crave this week for the presence of God to be more than a moment, but a daily, constant relationship shaping all that we do so that even when we're in our monotony, in our routine, we can be just like Peter and John continuing on the normal rhythms of our day and then seeing how the Spirit calls us to declare Jesus in a situation, to be empowered by the Spirit, to live like Jesus, and released by the Spirit to declare this good news to a world that needs it. Let's not just look back. Let's look forward, believing that the power that we are given is something incredible that can lead us towards all that we have thought of and beyond. So let's pray together this morning. We're going to take a time and reflect right after the prayer in your hubs and here online. And I would invite you to just open your heart, open your mind this morning to all that Jesus is leading us towards. What do we need to give up? What do we need to let go of so that we can move forward towards? How does the idea of power transform the way that we live and interact with one another? And what is the disappointment that we maybe need to let go of that we have made integral to all that we do? Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks that you're leading us into new beginnings, into new spaces, into new places that we could have never imagined. Thank you for all that you're doing already in our hearts and our minds. Give us courage to believe, courage to speak, courage to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us. And I just pray right now that you would just provide your comfort in the midst of our disappointment. Give us hope as we face forward with faith. And just give us the assurance that when we declare the name of Jesus, we truly discover all that has in store for us. To you we give thanks. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.